The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. The Bears lose a tough one, 17-24 against the Tennessee Titans in a game that felt like they were out of it well, well before they came back at the end and made it close. I walk through initial reactions from the game as well as thoughts on where they go from here on this episode of Bear With Me. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel. And it's just me here today breaking down this game really quickly because, let's be honest, we probably don't want to spend a ton of extra time talking about this one because there wasn't much positive to talk about. And it's important to go through the negatives and suss those out, and sure, maybe just for those that are still hanging on to hope about this Bears season, they could turn things around against a Vikings team that just beat the pants off the Packers last week, a very good Green Bay team, but I'll tell you what, at least from the way this game looked and the Rams game two weeks ago, I don't know what this offense is going to do to put points on the board because after three more quarters of not scoring at all, unless you count the fumble they gave away to Tennessee who returned it for a touchdown because technically I guess our offense scored that on Tennessee's behalf, this offense looks dysfunctional from a schematic level and while I know I've been saying in the past that there's a lot to like with what the scheme can do and who knows maybe it's just because today's offensive line looked terrible against a Tennessee front that was missing Jadavian Clowney and aside from this game has still been one of the worst producers of sacks in fact dead last in pass rushing DVOA even though the offensive line's been poor this looked like from top to bottom just a mess of execution errors and problematic decision making and very little rhythm if any at all and I get that Nagy's a quote-unquote rhythmic play caller I get that I've gone to bat for him I get that I've been saying that who knows maybe this thing just needs a little more time but right now all of that feels like it was just hopeful positivity and that this offense this dysfunctional thing that can't run the ball it can't really throw the ball and sure when it does get a pocket due to whatever it is prevent defense at the end of the game or maybe pass rushers just getting tired from being so open that they can run free and exhaust themselves all game near the end the Bears were able to connect on a couple of deep passes Foles came away with four completions 
runs of 20 yards of air or more, which, look, it's not, like, bad, but it's still a 50-ish passing yard attempt game. There's just so much to not like about this offense that it's scary, and I don't know what just magically changes for this thing to get better. People have been calling it for weeks, and I've been sitting here defending, as I'm sure you know on Bear With Me and Rule of Three, that... This whole offense wasn't necessarily the fault of Matt Nagy's play calling, and maybe it just came down to the execution. I don't think it matters anymore. Here sitting at 5-4 and four after a game where, once again, they weren't competitive on offense against a defense that just gave up 31 points to the Cincinnati Bengals, it's about time for Nagy to hand over play calling duties, if only to save face. I don't think that things will just improve, and if they do, I'll take away a very valuable lesson about how play calling works, and who knows, maybe Bill Lazor can impress me, but at this moment, you almost wonder whether results matter anymore, and whether it's just about making a change for change's sake, much like how plenty were talking about putting Trubisky back into the game, despite the fact that all throughout the 2019 season, and frankly what we got in 2020, we've seen that Trubisky can't play with pressure in his face to save his life, and takes more sacks than full despite Foles' obvious limitations in terms of mobility. And that's not even to say that Foles has had some kind of fabulous season so thus far. I've been saying since I started talking about Nick Foles that he's a mirror, and I can't stand the reflection that I've been seeing out of this Bears offense. And again, some of it could be personnel. Certainly Tom Brady, who's similarly immobile to Foles, and Drew Brees in his age, and Phillip Rivers in his age as well, all of those three have fabulous offensive lines in front of them, with Tampa Bay being the second best, Drew Brees is obviously being really good as we saw last week, and Phillip Rivers' offensive line being one of the better young lines in the game right now, while Foles has, well, a backup backup center, a seventh round rookie, a right guard that's looking worse and worse by the week. If Fady's pantsing on fourth and one, might as well have set the tone for the offensive line this week, Rashad Coward playing tackle, and Charles Leno, who is absolutely no one's favorite lineman, though he might sadly enough, be our best thus far on the team. Foles, when he has a clean pocket, has tended to hit his mark, but that's been a completely irrelevant thought now because over the last couple weeks, he hasn't had almost any clean pockets aside from play action, who the Bears even tried to turn to there in the second half, and I'm amazed it took him as long as it did to at least try these play action handoffs and create the clean pockets they got last week in New Orleans, but they took a sack almost immediately off of Rashad Coward not holding his block for more than maybe half a second, and immediately Foles got sacked and driven back about six to eight more yards. It was a rough day at the office for absolutely everybody up front. It was certainly a rough day for Nick Foles. It was a rough day for the running backs. It was a rough day for everybody. And at some point, this bubbles up to the top, and I don't know how to defend any of it, because regardless of whether or not I could tell you that Matt Nagy's play calling, who I know plenty say, his play calling doesn't make any sense. It looks like he's just randomly chucking plays at a wall. Well, Nagy strikes me as the kind of guy who, besides his script, tries to find something that will work. He'll try to roll the pocket outside, like we saw. He'll try to run the ball outside. He'll try to throw a couple of track crack tosses out there. He'll try to run it inside because why not? Just trying to find what works. And with the Bears' current offense, and I pin a lot of this on everything from coaching to position coaches to Nagy's general philosophy to personnel also, none of it works. If they try to run the ball up the middle, 
and nothing happens. If they try to run the ball outside, maybe they'll get an occasional play here, but they don't stick to anything. They just keep bouncing around. And even if something works, well, they can't do that again because doing it again would be too predictable. And it, then when they navigate away from it, if it doesn't work, well, we can't try that again because it didn't work. Like, that would be too predictable, and we already know it doesn't work. So instead, you end up with this frenetic feeling that, I guess, as I'm talking here, I'm talking myself into this idea that, sure, Matt Nagy may start with the game, plan, but it's like he has so many ideas, maybe too many ideas, that there's no offensive foundation or philosophy that permeates through, and while I've been saying for years that I thought a lot of that might come from quarterback issues and things up front, I do agree at this point here over the last minute and a half with a whole lot of people saying a lot of this just falls on Nagy, because when I look across the sidelines at Arthur Smith, the Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator, I did see a very different story. Let's tell it. So the Titans tried to surprise the Bears by starting the game out with a play-action pass, which apparently the Bears were ready for because they shut it down and knocked the ball away, second and ten. And from there, they began to stymie the Titans' rushing efforts even with Derrick Henry and ultimately held him to just 68 yards on the day with 21 carries and the Titans' running game in general to 3.0 yards per carry. So the Titans, who are a run-the-ball and play-action attack, ultimately had almost no answers to a Bears defense that held them almost totally in check. So what did they do? Well, down or up three to nothing. Yeah, they were never down. So up three to nothing, starting in the late second quarter, they decided to get back to basics. They were going to roll out and they were going to do what they were good at and make it work. They handed the ball up the middle to Derrick Henry three straight times and he ground out, I believe it was, a six-ish yard gain, a two-ish yard gain, and then the final two and a half yards. So not necessarily pretty, but they got a first down because they did what they were good at. And from there, the gates opened up a little bit. It was never easy with the Bears' defense. Certainly, they had to work their way down the field and ultimately put the ball into the end zone, even amidst really good coverage from Buster's screen as he caught up to, I believe it was Derek Brown, who hit his hands really well and pulled in a very, very, very nice over-the-shoulder catch. But the point remains, as soon as they had gotten back to basics, did what they were good at, and converted that first down with three straight runs to Derek Derrick Henry, their core offensive identity, despite injuries on their offensive line, everything else opened up. And Ryan Tannehill didn't exactly have a fabulous game, let's be clear. He ended up 10 for 21 with 158 yards, and sure, that's a 104 quarterback rating, but anytime you're 10 for 51, or 21, especially there in the middle of the game where I think he was three for eight with not much. He was hitting on big completions, but there were a ton of incompletions and even a couple dangerous balls like the one that Jalen Johnson might have intercepted, as well as I believe another one to Kyle Fuller only got his left hand on, maybe could have gotten his right hand on it. I'm not trying to pick on a good defensive day. The point is the Bears were able to get to Tannehill three times, which is kind of better than usual, unfortunately, and were able to frustrate him a little bit in the pocket. I can't away looking at Tannehill in this case with an earlier opinion that I've had of him when I've watched him here and there. Tannehill is a lot like Mitchell Trubisky. He struggles on full field reads, likes it when the field is cut in half, and when he gets that layup, he tends not to miss. A great example is that touchdown throw that put the Titans up a 3-10. to 10. It's a little underthrown if you want to be hypercritical, but he put the ball in position where his receiver could make a play on it, and the receiver didn't have to make a crazy contested 
contested catch. He just made a nice grab amidst coverage and then was able to run the ball into the end zone from there. Tannehill hit his marks here and there, but they did still hold him to under 50% completion percentage. The Bears offense just wasn't able to do anything with that. At the end of the day, I would tip my hat to Arthur, Arthur Smith and say, you know what? You stuck to what your offense could do, and it rewarded you with just enough points to beat a Bears offense that, again, couldn't score anything for their own team, only for the other team, through three quarters. And that is, without a doubt, unacceptable. It doesn't matter if you're on the road. The Titans' defense is not very good. This was one that I was expecting to be, like Brandon Robinson said on the last episode of Rule of Three, a higher scoring game than some anticipated. I thought the Bears offense had a real shot to wake up here, even with their offensive line, because the Titans defensive line isn't exactly something to write home about. So if the Bears could generate some open receivers, they might be able to make some throws downfield, that could open up the running game, and we could see the Bears, whether they won or lost, at least score 20 points. Well. They didn't. And instead, I'm sitting here watching Carolina just about beat the Chiefs with a brand new coach, wondering, man, why can their offense move the ball and ours can't? And again, I think there are tons of reasons. This game taught me a ton about the value of mobility in today's league. And while Trubisky certainly is mobile, it didn't exactly help him avoid sacks as he's taken a ton throughout his career, often running into players. Else, I probably would have joined, especially after this game, if he wasn't hurt. The others that were calling for him to maybe get a start behind this offensive line. But again, with Teddy Bridgewater performing as well as he is in Carolina, and plenty of other mobile quarterbacks like Kyler Murray, who doesn't have a great offensive line in front of him, or Justin Herbert, who doesn't have a great offensive line in front of him, or Russell Wilson, who hasn't had a great offensive line in front of him just about his entire career, I'm left seeing how the Bears have an offensive line that reflects, even when healthy, much better with those eh, meh offensive lines than the ones, or than the teams that have these immobile quarterbacks with great offensive lines to support them, and I'm starting to wonder how this thing was ever supposed to work. Sure, the last two weeks have made me pretty confident in everybody from Allen Robinson to Darnell Mooney to Anthony Miller and even some Tariq Cohen. Like, I really like some of the weapons that the Bears have, and no, I don't want to include Cordero Patterson in that because with the mental mistakes that he makes on seemingly easy-to-execute plays, things like, there's no defender in front of you, keep running your route, don't stomp on a slant, or, hey, hit the inside of the hole and not the outside of the hole every time here and there, I can totally understand why he's been cut as often as he has, and why he's viewed as something of an offensive mirage similar to Devin Hester in years past. But to get back on track, the point is that the Bears' offensive weapons are not as bad as I keep wanting to tell myself they are. I keep wanting to think that, you know what, the Bears don't really have much, this offense makes a lot of sense. But then, the pocket's clean, Foles lobs the ball downfield, and Allen Robinson pulls back a contested catch, or a really nice play over the top of a defender, or Anthony Miller's right there, or Darnell Mooney makes a nice catch between defenders, because the Bears' weaponry is not what it it was in 2017 with Kendall Wright as our leading receiver, to say the very least. Instead, it all feels like it comes back to an offensive line that can't block, a coach that won't stick with anything at all, and certainly doesn't seem to have anything other than the occasional good play that makes somebody pretty new to evaluating true game scheme say, hey, it looked like they were kinda onto something. There's a shred of creativity to this. Maybe they'll be able to grow into doing something special, and instead start saying, these results are 
awful. I'm tired of going for it on fourth and one and ending up with a false start that then leads into another false start. I'm tired of going for it on fourth and one and whether we pitch it out or not, somebody blows a blocking assignment in a ghastly manner and the Bears don't get anything. I'm tired of first and ten runs that lose a yard. I'm so sick of watching an offense that can't seem to get out of its own way for a myriad of reasons that regardless of what we seem to call and boy does it feel like we call a lot whether things are working or not I don't know what the foundation is sometimes it feels like the team doesn't know what the foundation is and from top to bottom whether you blame the coach or the GM who both deserve a lot of blame at the moment it starts to feel like this whole thing on offense was destined to fail or doomed if you will and again I don't know how to pick up the pieces from here it sucks to watch and I wish that I could spend more time talking about a defense that while maybe not truly great is pretty good and had some rough moments like Akeem Hicks missing a tackle, but also had, again, three sacks, pass rush that was getting to Ryan Tannehill, Roquan Smith had another very, very, very solid game, but without an offense that can at least keep the team in the game, the defense starts to feel like it doesn't really matter, because no matter how many stops they do or don't make, as soon as they scored three points, they might as well have beaten the Bears, and when you say that, it's just sad. It's exactly where we were in 2019, it's totally unacceptable, and like I was saying, all offseason, frankly, if there's anything I'm positive about, it's that at least we're getting an answer on whether or not Matt Nagy can or can't coach, because all offseason, I kept asking, like, what? Do, how do you separate Mitchell Trubisky's issues from Matt Nagy's coaching problems? Some people blame one or the other. But you've got to start by eliminating variables. We've eliminated the Trubisky variable, and sure, when the offense is well set up like a protected pocket, there's often a receiver schemed open downfield, but the plays that are coming in, the identity at play here doesn't seem as if it's cohesive on a game-to-game -game basis. We at one point switched from using primarily 12 and 13 personnel to only 11, and I don't know whether we stuck with it yet because I haven't rewatched the game, but this offense changes so often. It had at one point, what was it, 128 unique combinations, and then most in the NFL for a very bad offense. I don't know what Matt Nagy is or isn't doing. I don't doubt that he's a decent play, or a, frankly, a pretty good play designer on occasion, and can call a really good game. I still think that last week he called a great game against the Saints, but this one was terrible. It was putrid, and you can't keep going with an offense that can't find a foundation because its play caller is hit or miss on a week-to-week -week basis, and at some point, that all bubbles up. But I'm over time when I wanted to take a break with the sponsors, so we'll step aside now, and I'll get back to you with ultimately what I think I want to say. And we're back. This is Robert Schmitz with Bear With Me. I, I guess excited to break down this game, but if you thought what I was thinking after this game, it was two words that we've said way too many times in the last decade as Bears fans, but you probably know what I have to say. It's... Ooh, fire everybody. And I don't know whether that's immediately the answer. Sure, I say that a little bit as a buzzword right now, but this was a game that left me thinking that there was no other option than making changes at the very top with the GM that's now spending the second most on defense in the NFL, and yet our defense is more than likely after DVOA going to be maybe sixth. So we're not getting the return value out of the defense that we would want to there. We've got players that have 
have been acquired through free agency primarily, soaking up massive contracts. So that's Danny Trevathan. He's got a contract that runs through 2025 with void years. Robert Quinn is not producing near as much as I was hoping he would, which is a huge bummer. We've got Khalil Mack, obviously. Sure, you could say he's not producing enough, but either way, the point is he's one of the highest paid defensive players in football. And yet one of our best pass rushers is Mario Edwards, who's playing on a veteran minimum salary. So go figure. Akeem Hicks is having a really good season. He's also paid a ton of money. Eddie Jackson is paid $22 million a year. We haven't really gotten any interception production with him, which isn't that shocking because teams just don't want to throw at him and they're very aware of where he is, but you're getting what you pay for into Sean Gibson, who's struggling more and more and more by the game. All this isn't to try and kill the defense. I actually like our defense. It's more to point out that as much as I know, quote unquote, Pace built the defense, he also built it through free agency, and that's a lot less difficult than building it through the draft, where yeah, Roquan Smith is showing out. Roquan Smith is starting to look like the coverage linebacker that everybody would hope he would be years ago when I thought he was slowly turning into just an average-ish linebacker that couldn't play the run. At this point, when he is clean, he's making plays against any running back, whether it's Alvin Kamara or Mike Davis, much as you may laugh at that, or what we saw today where he covered tight ends and short options really well against even Derrick Henry. The trouble is, is that with Roquan Smith and Jalen Johnson being the primary drafted players, and I guess like Bilal Nichols, uh, that aren't paid yet, you're starting to wonder whether this defense is sustainable long term because, oh boy, is it expensive. And of course, all the trade-ups that Ryan Pace has brought in have started to cost us in terms of just player total on offense. We could say that the Bears haven't invested enough on offense, but a lot of that comes from the fact that with Trubisky, we lost a third and a fourth round pick. And sure, we quote unquote got it back in a trade back, but that doesn't mean that we couldn't have had more picks in total that could have been better offensive guards than Arlington Hambright, who I'm not about to blame for anything. The guy's a seventh round pick, but the fact that our options at, what is this, OL like nine, were at this point still just like a seventh round pick, you gotta wonder if you could do better than this. If you gotta wonder if you could do better than your starting left tackle being super duper average. You've gotta wonder whether you could do better than a tight end room made up of Jimmy Graham, who costs, I think it's nine million dollars this year, which is top 10 tight end money, and he's putting up middle of the road numbers. So are you getting what you paid for with him? Probably not. And ultimately, I keep coming back to, I'll, I'll say, sign it off, not quite, but my overarching point is this. Ryan Pace, for as much as he built a competitive defense, and we went on a nice streak in which we won 12 games and went 12 and 4 in 2018. The year after that, we were 8 and 8. The three years before, he'd hired John Fox and things went, as we all know, very, very badly. He traded up to draft Mitchell Trubisky, who may leave the team in free agency this season. And depending on how things go from here, the Bears could fall to as low as 8-8 eight and eight in a hurry, if not even lower than that. There are going to be some fans that are going to shake their maracas and clang their cymbals and break out their pom-poms and get really excited about the fact that finally the Bears are losing. Maybe we'll actually be in play for a Zach Wilson type. And I would caution you about feeling that way. 
because the trouble with tanking is that at some point, maybe the Bears are just a bad organization. Having the number one overall pick has not helped the Browns become not the Browns. Having the number two overall pick did not make Sam Darnold suddenly fix the Jets. And there are tons of other examples of this. You could look at Jacksonville. You could look at the New York Giants. And I'd have to take a look at a listing to come up with more. At one point, the Cincinnati Bengals were on that list. But there's this troubling notion that losing franchises just continue to lose. And as simplistic as that sounds, you know, the idea of like losers lose and winners win, there's something to be said for an organization that's built the right way with the right head on its shoulders can navigate turmoil and not feel like it's completely falling apart. You could make a real argument that again, the Bears, who have primarily perimeter skill on their offense, if anywhere, or on their IR, if you want to count James Daniels, but I mean, even guys like Cody Whitehair have massively regressed. And is it because he hates playing center? Maybe. But either way, you let your coaching staff do that, and you let one of your bigger investments on offensive line, which is just a second round pick, by the way, go to waste in his move to center to make room for your center prospect, James Daniels, to play left guard. And of course, I would never blame injuries on anybody, like whether it's Pace or anybody. It's why I don't think he needs to wear the Kevin White pick. But when a GM blows it with their quarterback selection, and their head coach, as Matt Nagy's offense, and I know because I've been pointed this out plenty of times, has never been better than, what is it, 21st in the NFL in 2018? It's 30th-ish this year. It was really bad last year, quarterback with the 32nd worst. That's last, by the way, in yards per attempt and a very bad running game. There's a point where you say, this isn't working. You can't take two false starts back to back. You can't go the entire game with a total lack of urgency, despite having scored a some total of zero points through the entire contest. I mean, I can't tell you how frustrated I am. It's a little thing, but boy, did it frustrate me that coming out of the fourth quarter, the Bears soaked up two and a half minutes on the five plays that they ran starting around the 16-yard line only to kick a field goal and almost completely ruin any possibility they had of a three-score comeback. And you may laugh and say the game was over, Robert. Who cares? But it's the NFL. It's not over in the fourth quarter. And when you get your result again, like there are plenty of people and I know some analytics or some analytics folks that would tell me and say, if you don't score there, the game's already over like touchdown. And that's not 100% true. Sure. You could try to kick a field goal, make it a two possession game, force the opposing offense to come up with something. And obviously they did. But at least if you're able to get that result in a minute and a half, maybe just a minute, you can keep some time on the clock to save room for a comeback at the end and instead the bears kind of lollygagged taking all the time off the play clock never moving into a no huddle setup which they haven't done for weeks it feels like and whenever they do of course it works which is why we keep huddling up and failing front on the offensive end don't get why that happens and ultimately i'm left a little mystified i mean this was an offense that was supposed to gel over time that was the big hope, right? Was that all, or the Foles offense would start up and it would look rough as it transitioned to a more West Coast variance like style. And here at the start of the game, they actually looked like they might have something. Quick out to Cordero Patterson, got a whole bunch of yardage, a one-two read to Jimmy Graham, got a big yard after the catch, or, and ultimately they got to, what is it, the 30 and failed on fourth and one and everything went out the window. These second quarters, these third quarters have been so bad and it doesn't make sense 
from a 2019 team that was third best in third quarter points, and yet here they are. So maybe all that stuff that I thought about people being solid about adjusting, who knows? Maybe it was Mark Helfrich and Harry Heestand, but I can't tell you it's Nagy because you'd think that it would at least be kind of consistent and he'd still be in the top half. Instead, everything they do is predictable. They're shut down very easily. This lack of third quarter points tells me that opposing defenses are adjusting to our offense better than our offense is adjusting their defense, and that feels obvious with the way these third quarters are going. And when you factor in the whims fight and the false starts and the general lack of urgency, I just can't tell you this team is well coached. I can't. I can't do it, and given that he's a head coach, he being Matt Nagy, that professes to be all about the offense and ultimately keeps his head buried in his play sheet, sometimes it seems like he doesn't see anything. Like if the Wims fight when it happened, his response was, I didn't see it. And I'm sure he had similar uh, thoughts and responses after the game about different goings-ons because he seems very focused on what he does, but he's not focused on the defense, which is what's gotten him his winning record. And I'm just tired of sitting around and waiting for Sander to show up when ultimately now it's getting to about four in the morning and I need to go to bed so to speak and you know what if the New Orleans game and the Tampa Bay game taught me anything it's that here and there Matt Nagy's gonna come out and call a really solid game like he did in 2019 against Washington and I could go find the other examples because I know that they are there so I'll end it by saying I'm still kind of ambivalent on Matt Nagy, but I think the better word might be apathetic because this isn't working on offense and whether a personnel or a coaching issue, I've stopped caring and I push it back on Ryan Pace and say, this isn't working. You've spent all the resources you possibly can. Bears fans are celebrating about their massive haul of draft picks when really all they have is a first, a second, a third, no fourth, and a couple fifth and sixth rounders, and so on and so forth. And I look and say, you are spending like we're a championship team. We are definitely not a championship team, and I'm done. I don't need any more Ryan Pace in my life. And when we bring in a new GM, he can make the decision that he wants to about Matt Nagy. If he wants to fire him, great. More power to you. Set this franchise in the direction that you want to go, and I'll evaluate head coaching selections and whatever that looks like when we get there. And if he wants to keep Matt Nagy, sure. I'm not going to whine, because at least that means that Nagy has somehow convinced him that he can improve things, and you know what? With a better offensive line, maybe he could. Put another way, if the Chiefs were running Matt Nagy's plays, I do think they would look better. And I know that sounds like incredibly hollow praise. And you can take it however you want to. More to say that Again, it's his plays or his players' execution that has been just killing me for weeks, and the lack of discipline and poorly timed penalties. Because we're, of course, the most penalized team in this season. And I look at guys like what's going on in Carolina with Matt Rule, with almost no time to prep at all for this season. They seem better coached. They don't have a ton more talent than we do, just a better quarterback. And I just feel like there's a reset coming. And again, if the new GM that gets hired in this case wants wants to keep Nagy, I'll just trust him with it because Nagy has shown a lot of bad, but some fleeting good here and there. But after a game like this, if they want to fire everybody, I'm not going to stand in anybody's way. I don't want any of this to be confused for defense of Matt Nagy, the coach. I just, at this point, he looks like a bad head coach that might be a decent offensive coordinator and isn't just going to fall out of the league like Mark Tressman did, but that's not much of a standard now, is it? 
at this point, Bears fans, I don't really know what to cheer for because I look at a lot of the quarterbacks that are coming out, like Zach Wilson, like Justin Fields, like Trevor Lawrence, like Trey Lance, like Kyle Trask, like Mac Jones, and I think there are a lot of them that would do ultimately better than Nick Foles, but probably not in this offense. This offense is a mess. Not just the Matt Nagy part, but also the offensive line part. I don't know how the Bears get through 2021 without major investment in offensive line and of course that would have to come from the draft because it can't really come from anywhere else we don't have the cap space for any of that thank you ryan pace that we have i think it's 34 players that are currently already two million dollars over the projected cap next year at around 180 million dollars committed i want to tell you that we're in a good place going forward but if you've read any article let alone listen to me at all or brad who i know i bring on plenty of times we're not and this was supposed to be our last hurrah like our ride into the sunset and it's been anything but that it's really it's no fun this is not fun being a fan i was expecting this team to be able to go one out of two or at least look competent in their last three games the rams the saints and the titans and instead they got blown off the field in two of them in this a massive crucible game where they got to define whether they were the rams team the team that got destroyed by the rams or the team that took the saints to overtime a good saints team that i'm sure we'll see later tonight has a whole lot of fight in it and instead they came out and they were down 17 to nothing with an inflicted touchdown in a game that looked way too familiar to the Rams game and just nothing looked sustainable from there. We can't run the ball. We can't really throw the ball consistently. We don't really have an offense. Our defense isn't good enough to overcome that. And frankly, there's not many defenses that will because this looked a lot like those Buffalo teams that went 7-9, and 9-7 for years and not near as much like the 2018 Bears team, which had, let's call it what it is, guys, a legendary defense that could overcome a pretty bad offense overall uh, and win games anyways because there's really no other team I can think of in the last... I would almost go decade, but I'd need to look harder, that could win a game like the game that the Bears won against the Rams in 2018, I'm sure we all remember it, or the Vikings game that year, where the defense just came up huge, practically did all the scoring for them, and the teams like that are the reason that I know us Bears fans, me included, keep trusting defense to be more than it should be, when instead, that a lot of times, High investment in defense gets you exactly what we got today. Khalil Mack didn't do much. Bears still picked up three sacks, ultimately held the Tennessee Titans to 17 offensive output at points. But you almost start to wonder whether the Titans could have scored more and just kind of didn't because they were playing the Bears and they knew they probably had things under control, just needed to make sure they didn't give the ball away. Either way, it is about time for change. There's still seven games left. That is a lot of marathon in the marathon of the season, we're still only at about mile 14, but the Bears would have to really, really turn things around to make stuff work for them or to really change minds because what we have right now isn't working. I don't know if getting offensive linemen back, like the regressing Cody Whitehair, like Bobby Massey, who's actually been pretty solid, are going to make things a ton better, but at least we'll have some kind of clue next week against the Vikings. Who knows? Maybe we put Sam Mustafer in at center. He wasn't absolutely awful and kick Whitehair over to guard and see if he can resuscitate things. And maybe then we could get something. But the Bears are going to be have to be here at five and four pretty much perfect down the stretch if they want to be 10 and six. If they're only nine and seven, I'm not sure they make the playoffs in a division that where 
throughout the rest of the NFC. Many of them have gotten to play the East, which is as close to four free wins as it gets. And instead, we're going to have to beat the Lions. We're going to have to beat the Vikings. Won't surprise me if we're going to need to split with the Packers at least. And then we'll need to beat the Texans and the Jaguars, neither of which look great at all. But one of those games won't surprise me if we drop which is why the margin of error has now become thinner than ever. And if the Bears do want to be 10 and 6 at the end of all this, they're going to have to go, what does that mean, 5 and 2 to end the season. And that's a tall order for a 5 and 4 team in just about any circumstance. So, yeah, at this point, maybe it isn't such a bad idea to start thinking about postseason plans. But the fact that I'm saying that here in early November is way too reminiscent of the Tressman Fox teams and yet again that's just another feather in the cap of potentially cleaning things out. Either way I think we can all agree this Titans game was an abomination. It was a burn the tape game. Now three in six weeks with Indianapolis uh, the Los Angeles Rams game and this one and I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. And the fact that we've got a bad offense with a bad offensive head coach is becoming a little bit too much to bear and just sit idly by waiting for, like I said earlier, Santa to come home. So if they want a clean house, I'm fine with it. And of course, we'll we'll be right here at Windy City Gridiron covering the last seven weeks of this season. I'll try to be as positive as I can about what's going on with the team, but I'm left after this one in a bit of a tailspin, not really knowing what to root for, because at some point, if you're not making the playoffs, every win just costs you draft position, and those draft slots are what you have to pay for when you're looking to go get a quarterback, and if the Bears do, let's just say it like it is, go 5-11, and 11, they could actually be in the late teens or early teens probably so like 11th 12th maybe even sneak into 9th depending on how many wins there are in the rest of the NFL and they could be in trade-up range for again potentially Zach Wilson or Trey Lance but we'll get there when we get there for now we'll close up shop if you like what I have to say, feel free to go follow me over on Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz. If you want to hear more about my thoughts on this game, you can find me over at Run Pass Opinion, my YouTube channel, on 9 p.m. on Wednesday nights. And we'll probably be talking just general bears because this game really was a disaster after we go through it. But outside of that, it's been fabulous having you listening. Please let me know what you think of the show. I know I went through quite a bit. And until next time, Bears fans... Bear down, and thanks so much for bearing with me. 